Good afternoon, podcast listeners. This is Ed Franklin with the Ed Franklin No Limits podcast. I guess I can take the dot out of Franklin No Limits podcast. Um, thank you for listening today. Uh, remember, you can always contact me at Ed Franklin at uh, edfranklin.nolimits at gmail.com. Uh, always looking for guests. If you have a story to tell, you know somebody has a story to tell. We can talk about getting over limitations. We can talk about their business. We can talk about really whatever we want because there's no limits here, right? Although we do try to focus on limitations, and we're going to talk a little bit about that today. So some exciting news. I am uh, approaching 100 episodes. I, it's hard to believe, but I've been doing this for about two years now. And, uh, you know, after the request of my daughter or the suggestion from my daughter that I start a podcast, here we are with almost 100 episodes. And when we do that 100th episode, which will be in a few episodes from now, we will do it live on Facebook, and I'll do it in the evening so everybody can listen and we can get some People can join in and they can give me some feedback and they can ask questions. And I'm not sure what the topic is going to be, but I want to make it as interactive as possible. So 100 podcasts, pretty exciting. Um, like I told you before, statistically, most podcasts uh, finish in about seven months. They they fail. About 80% of podcasts fail after seven months. They don't keep doing them. I'm always questioning why I'm still doing mine, to be honest with you. Sometimes, um, once I can start getting some more momentum with guests and get this thing out there a little bit more and get the right guests, it'll get bigger. And that's, you know, what I want to happen. So today we're going to talk about something I touched on before, but it's super important and it might actually be a little boring, but I hope it's not boring, but I think it'll resonate with all of you, every one of you, because it's something you all do and it's something that you should all be paying attention to. So let's get started. So I, I tell my kids this often, who you're hanging around with and what you're reading will tell me where you'll be in two years. And uh, I want to talk about some books. I had put out on, the, on Facebook that um, asking people for suggestions of what I should talk about, some topics I should cover. And I don't like doing politics, so that's out. I'm not going to happen. Uh, but somebody said, what about some books you've read? So I said, that's a good one because I've read a lot of books, uh, mostly listened to them when I used to drive a lot. And um, I kind of was able to take in that information, you know, rewind and things like that when I, uh, when I could. And although I am reading a book right now about sales, and I have another book that I'm getting ready to read too, and I'll tell you more about those once I'm done with them. But I'm going to tell you about five books today, five or six books that I've read that are, um, and I'll kind of break them down just a little bit for you, kind of give me my review. And but listen, there's there's a ton of books out there that are, have really good information and really smart people writing books. And uh, my only caution to people that read a lot is that if you read something and it resonates with you, apply it to your life. A lot of people I know will keep suggesting that I read books, I read books, I read books, and they're reading these books, but they're not applying the, you know, the whatever in the book to their lives. They're just going on to the next book and just chalking it up as a that they conquered another book. But the whole idea of education is to get better and to learn and to, um, you know, get knowledge and, and uh, learn, you know, like I said, learn about things and, and become a better version of yourself. But I also want to talk about what you're watching on TV and what you're listening to on the radio or if you stream music or whatever, because I think all those things are important. It's really nutrition for your brain, right? What do you what are you putting into your system on a regular basis that's making you a better version of yourself or maybe a not as good a version of yourself? You know, are you watching the wrong things? I had a girl the other day, I told her I did a podcast and she says, oh yeah, I listen to podcasts all the time. She goes, what's yours about? And I told her and she kind of, I don't know, had a disappointing look on her face. She says, well, I like crime dramas. I like to listen to crime uh, podcasts. And I thought that was odd. Although I guess that stuff interests me when I'm, I don't really watch TVs, but I, I guess if I'll watch something like that, it's pretty interesting to watch you know, forensic files or something like that. It's kind of morbid if you think about it, though. Why are we, you know, why are we watching things about crime? We should be watching the things that, that have nothing to do with crime, that have things to do with happiness and this and that. So I'll start off with this first book. So Good to Great, Jim Collins wrote this book. Uh, Jim Collins is a Stanford University uh, professor, and he wrote another book called Built to Last. And I went to one of a company that I worked for, um, Southland Industries, and that was one of the books they gave us when we got there to read. And I kind of read the book. I didn't really read the whole thing because it was 
It was boring, to be honest with you. It wasn't very stimulating. But the next book he wrote was Good to Great. And Good to Great is super boring the first three chapters. So if you can, because he's talking about statistical information in companies. And what the whole book is based on is that a company that can, I think it was do 15 times, you know, what the stock market re requires them to do or whatever, that they become good, they go from good to great companies. And they talk about companies like Walgreens and Coca-Cola and General Electric and all these other movies. But once that, you get over that statistical um, information in the first three or four, two or three chapters, they start talking about leadership and what makes a good leader and why, how they were able to statistically find these good leaders because of the way they managed people, right? Wells Fargo was a big one there. I remember there's, there's a chapter in there about Wells Fargo telling you, telling the reader that they can't operate at a high level unless they have the right people on the bus. And it was costing him something like a million dollars a day, this president of Wells Fargo, because they hadn't hired this one more person. And it went on for a couple of weeks and people were going, are you crazy? You're losing all this money. But he says, no, we have to have the right people on the bus to succeed. And he was patient and waited and became phenomenal success because they found the right person to put on that bus. So let me tell you an interesting story. The last job I had, I was talking to the owner and his son about this very book, Good to Great, and explaining the book to them and explaining how great a business book it is and they should really read it. They weren't great business people. They're not great business people. And some of the decisions they were making when I was there, I was questioning them and they didn't like me questioning um, the way they were doing things. And it ultimately, it, I lost my job because of that, because I know I hurt his feelings because he had him sticking out too far. But all I was trying to do it was in the best interest of the company and to show them how to sell. So oddly enough, on the day they let me go, they did it over the phone, which really pissed me off over FaceTime with someone else sitting there because he couldn't stand up and look at me. And they used that reason to get rid of me that I was not the right person for be on the bus with the rest of the company just right ironically after i suggested that they read this book and they told me they were going to read it together and then he goes and fucking tells me that he's letting me go because i don't fit on the bus um the reason i wasn't the right person on the bus is because nobody that he had there could be equal doing what i was doing now that sounds so braggadocious and everything but that's really that's really what happened so uh it's too bad it was a decent product could have sold a lot of it but um you know, it is what it is. They also talk about a hedgehog theory, which is they talk about level five leaders and they talk about level one, two, three, four, and five leaders and how the best leaders of those level five leaders that are very determined and have a very specific um, goal to reach. And they stay very focused on that goal. They don't get, you know, they keep very tough, a lot of tunnel vision to get where they're going and, um, it's just a great book. They talk about the flywheel effect. If anyone knows what a flywheel is, a flywheel is generally a very heavy wheel that has to turn very slowly. And it's very hard to get going. But once you get it going, they have them in cars. They have them in machinery. Once you get going, <clears throat> all you have to do is tap it once in a while. And it will uh, and it'll keep going. You don't have to put a lot of work into it once you get it moving. So great book. It's Good to Great by Jim Collins. And he was an author of Built to Last, and he has written another book since then. And I worked for a company that actually went and spoke with him about this theory he had. And like I said, it's very statistical, but it makes so much sense because really statistics don't lie. And they were able to draw out these uh, draw out these companies that were doing some very unusual things. I'll give you one more example in that book. Walgreens used to have these ice cream like food shops in there. In their stores, I don't remember these, but I don't. Rem I don't remember Walgreens in San Diego County when I was growing up. But over the you know United States, they had them. And one of the this leader that came in to take over this company said, "Look, I want to get rid of all these all these uh, restaurants that are in our stores. It's not our business. Walgreens is a pharmacy. It's a drugstore. It's a place for you to get band aids and things like that, not dinner, right?" And not ice cream and things like that. So he tells these guys, he says, look, you got to be out of the business in five years. You're going to be five years to get out of the business. He goes to this meeting about six months later. And uh, he says, hey, how's my 
you know, how's my directive coming? Are you guys getting out of the business? And this guy says, look, we got five years. You gave us, we'll get out. He says, well, that was six months ago. Now you have four and a half years. And he was very direct and very adamant that they were going to get out of this business. Now, I've had experiences with this. And one experience I had was in the 60s, Westinghouse bought RC Cola. For you older people, you'll know what RC Cola is. And it was really not in their wheelhouse, right? Westinghouse, it's like, you know, electrical light bulbs and things like that. And they bought 7-Up at the time who owned RC. And they ran the business into the ground because they really had no business being in that business. They were just doing it as an investment. RC Cola would rival Pepsi and Coke in the 60s. It did rival it in the 60s and 70s. But now you can't even know if you can find it. I don't even know if it exists anymore. I know 7-Up does, but I don't know about RC. So that's just one of those things that he was dead on right about. But you got to stay in your lane, right, when you're in business. Um, a lot of You'll see a lot of companies getting out you know, of what they're doing and they get out of another business. They don't really know what they're doing in that other business. It's not, doesn't always work the same formula for each product. Um, another book that I read that I thought really resonated with me was Start With Why. So this is from Simon Sinek. I think that's how you say his name. He's written a few books. I read another book by him called uh, Leaders Eat Last. And it was very good. It was kind of based on Marine um, ideology uh, where you would go into a mess hall and all the leaders, all the, the officers would stand against the wall while the guys ate. So, cause they were the ones that needed to be the most nourished for whatever activity they were going to do that day. And it could be war. So Simon Sinek is kind of a self-proclaimed, um, I hear him a lot on little clips that I see on Facebook and LinkedIn and things. Cause I follow him and, um, I don't know. Sometimes I just, he's just regurgitating a lot of bullshit that I've heard a hundred times from everybody else. Um, and I don't even know really what he's done to be in the position he's at. And I know I'd probably insult him if I said that, and I'd be happy to have him on my show and ask him. But he kind of was in a sales situation and he got into um, marketing. And he, listen, he always has really good points. He's worked with SEALs and sports teams and, and all these things about really kind of finding out what your why is, not what you do during the day or who you are, but why you do what you do, right? Some of us, that's parenting. Some of us, that's, you know, leading people, leading a country. He talks about leadership a lot. And I've said this before that the word, the two words, servant leadership, are just redundant. If you're not in a servant mindset and you're in a leadership position, you're in the wrong job. Okay. Leadership should include servitude to your employees, to whoever you're leading, right? You shouldn't have to. You shouldn't, you don't need both those words. It's kind of these buzzwords that we keep making up that change things. I was, there's another one I'm thinking of, but I'll have to try to remember it. Of these, just these new words we have. Like when I was, a, when I first started working, you had a personnel manager. Now you have a human resources person. And there's a lot of these little sayings that they just change the name of them. And some guy comes up and writes a book about it. Now he's the most famous person in the world. But start with why, good book. Um, this is a book. It's not a business book. You can apply it to business, but you really can apply it to your life too. Very good book. Read it a couple times, listened to it a couple times. And, uh, it's an awesome book. Um, another one, I know I'm zipping through these because, um, and I can, you know, if you want a list of these books, I'd be happy to send it to you. So you could always contact me at edfranklin.nolimits at gmail.com. And I'll get it to you. And I'll have a website up pretty soon. It's it's hot. It's hot right now. I just, I don't, don't like it. So I'm going to keep working on it until I get it to where I want to be. <laughs> Excuse me. This next book, I know the author of this book very well. He's a Poway guy. His name's Dick Lyles. He is a kind of a political um, commentator and a lot of, very Republican. Um very Catholic. He graduated from Annapolis. He used to run um, a huge company nationwide. It was became worldwide. He took it from like twenty million dollars to forty million dollars. He's a you know he speaks. He spoke for me at the chamber before. But his book is called Winning Habits: Four Secrets That'll Change the Rest of Your Life. The only chapter I want to talk about in here is he dedicated a chapter basically to Tony Gwynn. And we all know Tony Gwynn of Padres fame. And really what the point of 
Tony Gwynn was, and I didn't listen to this book. I read it because it wasn't available on audio, but it's not a very long book, so it's a, and it's a pretty easy read. Um, he talks about how Tony Gwynn was just always the first person to practice and always the last one to leave. Now, every time we hear about the greatest athletes in the world, you know, the Michael Jordans, the Tom Brady's, the anybody you hear of, you know, um, Tony Gwynn, they're always the guys that come in first in the morning. Kobe Bryant was big on this. A lot of basketball players tell stories about him, how they get to the hotel. And he'd already been practicing for two or three hours, and they went to bed, and and then they'd come down to the gym at 10 o'clock at night, and he'd still be practicing. He was just crazy, um, crazy focused on being really successful. And Tony Gwynn was that way. The only difference I see about Tony Gwynn and these other athletes is he was so humble, never – I don't think I've ever seen an athlete so humble. In fact, so humble that anything you have that's signed by Tony Gwynn is worthless unless it's just something personal to you. It's not worth any money because he was one of these guys that would stop and sign everything. He didn't sign for collectors all the time. He would sign kids' balls and uh, baseballs, you sickos. I can't believe you said thought of that. He would sign kids' shirts, jerseys, things like that. And um, so his signature is out there. It's not, it's not very collectible because he just signed a lot of things. He was just such a nice man. And um, a quick story about him. So when we, when my oldest daughter played basketball at Poway High, his daughter also played on her team. And um, when I went to sign her up, they gave me this coupon for shoes, and they said you can go get a free pair of shoes. And um, and I'm like, okay, whatever. I mean, I'll buy her shoes. It's not a big deal. And I figured there were just some company was just giving away cheap shoes to the kids so they could get, you know, some kind of sponsorship. Uh, ended up having to go over to Rancho Bernardo Sporting Goods and getting about a $120 pair of Nikes. Uh, Tony Gwynn had purchased shoes for every for freshman, sophomore, and seniors, varsity, freshman JV and varsity basketball boys and girls program. And bought them through the sporting goods store. You could go over there and get. Now they were all the same shoes, right? So you could match as a uniform, but they weren't cheap shoes. They were like one hundred and twenty dollars Nike. So he did that. I know of for two years because um, Samantha played basketball with his daughter. So this is the kind of generosity this guy was about. And and so he talks a lot about in this book. He talks about his work ethic and how first one to the field, last one to go home. And I think he had a three forty two. Um, average batting average for his career which is insane uh just one of the greatest hitters of our time and nicest people um and we were lucky enough to live with him you know he lived in Poway I think my daughter I mean excuse me my uh, sister-in-law used to babysit his kids actually he was just a just a super nice guy all right uh delivering happiness this is kind of an interesting book so this book was based on Tony Shea so Tony Shea was the CEO of Zappos uh, Zappos was a shoe company that how it started off was this guy would go to a shoe store and take pictures of shoes and he'd go and put them online. This was years ago, put them online and sell them. And if somebody bought the shoes, he would go back to the store and buy the shoes and then ship them to him. So the guy had no inventory. He had no, uh, all he needed was a website and photos. The problem with that, obviously was he was paying retail and selling them. He was, wasn't making much of a profit. And there was a lot of, you know, having to go back and forth to the store. It wasn't an ideal business, but that's what the guy could do. So he came to Tony Shea, who was a kind of a self-proclaimed entrepreneur. He talks a lot about some of the entrepreneurial things he did as a kid. When he was in college, he did things like he would buy a pizza for $10 with eight pizzas in it and sell the pieces for $2 and $3 and make a huge profit in a college dorm. Uh, he did some other things that were pretty interesting as a child that he, you know, kind of dreamed up and he, they ended up selling. And so at one point they had, when, after he took over the company, they were in the Bay area, I think, and it was just getting too expensive and some other things were going on. And so he moved the entire company to, and now they have where they have warehouse, they have inventory and all that. He moved the entire company to Las Vegas what is one of his concerns was, are all these people that work for me going to come to Las Vegas? And ironically, they did. They I think he had like 90% of his employees moved to Las Vegas to follow this company. They, they were so happy about it. And he would throw parties and he was, he was a good leader in that he made the job fun, right? 
they ended up selling the company to Amazon back in the day for a billion dollars, which was kind of unheard of at the time. I mean, this is, I don't know, 15 years ago, something like that. And um, so he was a really good entrepreneur. I remember him talking in the book about getting up and speaking in front of people. And he used to say how nervous he would get getting up and speaking in front of people. Here's a guy that's a CEO, but he just had that outgoing personality. He was kind of a shy guy. Um, I think he was Japanese or I think he was Japanese, but his family wasn't very outgoing. And he was giving a speech one day and he came back to the backstage and he was really disappointed. And someone said, what's the problem? He said, you know, I had all these things to say that I had written down and I missed a bunch of the pages. Right. And the crowd went nuts when he was done talking, but he had missed a bunch of stuff and he was kind of disappointed. And then he figured out that it didn't matter because the people that were listening they didn't know what went on the pages. So they didn't know what he missed. Um, it's a good lesson for when I'm doing this podcast. Sometimes I will make notes. I don't have any today. I don't. I shouldn't say I will take notes. I very rarely take notes. But I do sometimes if I think I'm going to forget something. And um, so uh, it was just funny that he talked about how he, um, you know, he kind of figured out that, well, no one knows what he's going to say. So the speech came out just fine. So kind of tragically, this guy died just a couple of years ago, and he was into these raves where they would, you know, I don't know, I don't even know really what a rave is. I guess it's just music. It's like concerts, and they do them at like 3 a.m. at warehouses, and they have lights, and there's smoke, and there's music, and like electronic. I don't even So you younger people can educate me on a rave. But he was very much into using some... I don't know if they were drugs, but things that would, uh, um, you know, alter your mind. And at one point they were doing helium or oxygen or some kind of thing. And he was in a room by himself and it, the room blew up and started on fire and he burnt to death. Um, and then it came out that he was really good friends with Jewel, the singer, which was just really odd. I mean, the guy was just kind of this, I don't know, it's kind of a weird guy, but really good entrepreneur and the, and the book. Delivering happiness had some really good business lessons in it, some really good, you know, thought process if you're starting your own business or you're an entrepreneur. So worth the read for sure. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, I think he was only in his early 40s when he passed away. And uh, it was just kind of sad because, you know, I, I liked the book. I he, He's a funny, he was a funny guy. He kind of had this dry sense of humor. So I don't know, it's just weird. Uh, but a good book. So another, I got two more books to talk about. And and the next two books are kind of resonate with me a ton, right? So the first one is Pete Carroll, who's the head coach of Seattle Seahawks. He wrote a book called Win Forever. And this book was really kind of based on, kind of told about his career. It was kind of an autobiography. And he tells about how he went to college and he wasn't very big. And, and he was a, he was a decent player and he played, he, he was good, but just wasn't very big. And, he ended up getting hurt, ended up hurting his shoulder really bad. It was pretty much ruined his career. But he wanted to – he loved football so much, he wanted to stay in the game, right, stay in coaching. So as it moves on, he talks about – he got a job with the New England Patriots, I think. And when he got there, you know, they were going to pay him all this money and everything, and he takes the job. And after the first year, he has a losing season, they fire him, right? And then he goes to work for the Jets, and same thing happens. Works, you know, gets goes to work for him. He uh, works for a year, losing record. They fire him. So he's getting pretty discouraged, right? He's saying like this head coaching thing is kind of a tough business. So I, I think, and I'm doing the time chronological part right. He goes to USC, the big college up in Los Angeles, and he becomes their coach, and they win a national championship. And I don't remember how long it took him to win a national championship. And there's a point to all this, so sit tight. And I think he might have won two. I'm not sure, but he, he's real successful, huge success. And so Seattle Seahawks come to him and they're kind of, you know, trying to get him to come coach him. And he's like, not sure, things like that. And he starts to kind of figure out, he's kind of starts to look back over what had happened with, you know, the Patriots and the Jets and why he had success at USC. And he started figuring out that when he was, when he would go to these professional teams, They'd want him to win right away, right? Everybody wants you to win right away. They want instant gratification. They're giving you all this money. 
for all this money, I should get should equal a Super Bowl. He talks about how he had a problem, and he's getting gotten better at this, at articulating how he was going to reach that goal, that ultimate goal of winning a Super Bowl. Knowing that he couldn't do it in the first year, he had to stretch that out and say, look, it's going to take me about this long to win a Super Bowl, and this is why we need this position, we need this position, we need to trade for this person, we need to get that person. And when he went to Seattle, he got better at doing that, right? He kind of explained he kind of wrote, sat down to set out his goals and everything and knew he couldn't win right away. Well, they ended up winning a Super Bowl, by the way, with, with um, Russell Wilson. And I I run into this too. When I'm looking as I'm looking for a job, I'm trying to articulate to a person that um, they want sales right away, right? When you hire a sales guy, they want to get sales, they want in 30 days, they want you kicking ass, right? It does not work like that. It takes you, they say statistically, 12 times to meet somebody before they even know what you do, right? Before they even remember that you work for a moving company or, you know, you sell construction or you sell exhaustion. They, it takes them about 12 times for them to even resonate in your brain. Sometimes it's 12 times before they even remember your name. Um, it's this joke I always tell that I always tell customers how many kids I have because I know they'll never forget that. No one's going to forget you have seven daughters. Right, because these guys go home, I know they do, and they go, oh, my God, I met this guy today with seven daughters. Man, we have two. I can't believe this guy raised seven kids. Someone at the grocery store yesterday was talking to us about raising kids, and they said, I don't know how you guys did it. You know, I don't, and I don't know how we did it either. We just had – we didn't have a choice, so we just did it. But she was telling us that her daughter just did school. She has one daughter. I said, well, you know, kids do these kind of things. And to her, it's super tragic to me. I don't know. <clears throat> not like it hasn't happened at our house. Of course, my kids are grown now, and she's right in the middle of it. So anyway, so I would go to these companies and say, look, this is going to take this long. One company I went was working with last year, we had an entire conversation about how this was going to take a year. What they wanted me to do was going to probably take a year, eight months to a year, to get my way wiggled into these companies and get a relationship with the right people, right, with CEOs, with CFOs, with um, – project managers, all these guys, we had this whole entire conversation. I didn't even want to take the job at first until we had this conversation. I said, okay, as long as you understand that, I'm let's hit the ground. Let's go. And it was coming on fast. I mean, I was getting, I was getting responses quick. And after 55 days, after we talked about nine months to a year, after 55 days, a person that was never involved in that conversation decided that I wasn't the right fit for the company. This So this book resonates with me because you have to be able to sit down. There's no reason to go to work for somebody if you're going to be gone in a couple months, right? So they have to understand the process of sales. Now, what I find is a lot of times owners of companies are not salespeople, right? They're operations guys they're, or girls, and they're, they don't really understand the sales process. And when they look at themselves, they're like, well, I know all these people already. Ed can go to know. Well, no, you've known them for 20 years. That's why you know them. You know, I know a lot of people, but I don't necessarily know all the people you know in that business. And I, I can get to those people, but it's going to take some time, right? And I, I'm diligent about doing it. I don't mind networking. I don't mind going out at night, day, morning, breakfast, networking with people. And people do remember me. So I'm big and tattoos and all those things. But it's it's a process. And I felt, I felt what he was talking about in this how he would go to these owners and they would think, well, you're going to get a Super Bowl this year. No, he's not going to get a Super Bowl this year. 32 teams in the NFL, one person gets a Super Bowl a year. And when you have a dynasty like Brady had or like the Cowboys had back in the day, like uh, Pittsburgh has had, you're you're not going to get in there for four years. I mean, Pittsburgh won four in a row, I think almost four in a row. You know, So you're not going to get into the, even get into that Super Bowl, have a chance. So that's a good book. Pete Carroll, Win Forever. It's uh, a little bit of a jock book. Maybe, you know, if you like football, it might be easier to read. But it's a pretty interesting story. And it was uh, it was a number one seller. And the guy did a great job. And I listened to this book again. And Pete Carroll did the uh, he did speaking. And he's pretty smooth. You know, good, easy to listen to. I'll tell you a book. I read a book before, way before Trump was anybody. I mean, he was just a rich guy back then called Think Big and Kick Ass. And they had... Somebody, he didn't read the book. He 
apparently wrote the book, but he didn't read the book. And they had some guy reading the book that was just the worst reader I've ever heard. And he was trying to act like Trump in certain situations and be kind of dramatic. And it could have been a good book. This guy just ruined it for me. I couldn't even listen to it. So um, the, the guy reading it was just horrible. So if you're going to get an audio book, try to get the author to read it. and Try to get one where the author is reading it because it can be, they'll be a little bit more passionate about it, right? And you don't want someone trying to pretend like they're that person. It just sounds dumb. Um, all right, last book. And I hope this isn't too boring for you. I think this is a good topic. And I think, again, you guys should be nourishing your brains. You should be putting uh, these kinds of things in your head. And we're going to talk about TV in a minute. Um, the last book is called The Dream Manager. The Dream Manager is written by Matthew Kelly. And it is a fictional book. It's not a true book. But what this guy talks about is a janitorial company that they had. And they could, they, the turnover was just crazy. It was like every two years, people were quitting. And they, they'd have to hire somebody else and then train them. And they quit and train them and quit and train them and quit. And finally, some somebody up on the top or said, you know what, we need to do something for these, for these employees to keep them here longer. So they hired this person. They called him the dream manager. And what that person's job was, was to go to the Chamber of Commerce or go to whatever an employee needed. He would seek out somebody that could help him. So, for instance, there was a woman that wanted to buy a house, right? And she had never bought a house. She was renting she had a couple kids at home. I think her husband worked in another place. But so they, this guy says, look, he leveraged his relationships and he got this guy from a bank to come in and said, OK, this is what you need to do. This is how you got to draw out what you got to do to, um, you know, to get a house. This is where you're going to need to be. You got to save this much money and this is what the payment's going to be. And this is how much you'll be able to afford. And, you know, you got to get rid of these credit cards. So he maps out this whole path for this woman. And she ends up being able to buy a house. They did it with people with cars. They did it with people with education. They went to the local, you know, junior colleges and they brought people in to speak to their employees. They showed them how to invest money. They did all these things. And their turnover went from two to three years to five, six, seven, eight years. People were staying around longer. When they did have an opening, they had a line out the door for people to get in. They created this culture that people wanted to be part of, right? That they knew if they went there, something was, they knew people weren't going to do it forever, right? The employer knew they weren't going to work there forever. But if they could get a really good effort out of them for the time they were there and then turn it over to somebody else and train them, they would have a great opportunity to increase their productivity, right? And they did just that. Again, fictional book. I've never seen a company do this. It probably should be done. It could be patented. I don't know, or, trademarked or whatever, but it's a brilliant idea, by the way. And it, it's not expensive, believe me. The only money you'd be putting out extra is for this dream manager. And if he was resourceful, like me, who knew people in the chamber and banks and all that stuff, uh, you could pull this off and it would be a brilliant thing to do. They had, um, at one point, they were talking to one of the gals. I think it might've been the one that wanted to buy the house. And she says, you know, I know the person that uh, owns that building over there. I met him a long time ago. I mean, we went to school together, something like that. And the, and the boss owner says, look, if you can get that account, I'll give you like a big commission, right? And she goes, okay. So she went and talked to the person and sure enough, the guy switched over to their company and she gave up, they gave her like five grand or something to put in the bank. And I think it was going towards that, that goal. So this is how you create a company. This is good leaders do. They help their employees become better versions of themselves. They help them succeed in life. They help them succeed at work. They're interested. A really good leader should be training his next lead, right? Training his replacement. Show them how they read people. That's really what leaders should do. Our government right now is easily the worst leadership example I've ever seen in my entire life. I And and we have not always had a perfect government, but this is a joke. I mean, we are in such a mess right now with leaders. And you know what? There's no one else to fix it, by the way. Trump's not going to fix it. Biden's not the one to fix it. You need some new people. But the problem is, I'm getting a little political. The problem is they, they dig into people's closets so much, no one wants to do it. And it's not worth the money when you have guys making a zillion dollars out there 
doing other businesses. My point to that is that our leadership is really poor, and you can see how it affects everything when you have poor leaders. Um, I think sometimes when I go to a job, I intimidate people because I'm asking them questions. I'm saying, well, what if this happened? What are we going to do? They, they want to think that they already have that worked out and they don't want, they just don't want a sales guy like me, Mr. Just shut up and sell kind of guy to ask them questions. There's no doubt in my mind that happens. And it's never my intent. My intent is always to what can we do to be ready for a situation in case something happens because I've been around enough businesses, stuff happens and you need to be prepared. So that's that. So there's, like I said, there's so many books out there. I'm reading a book right now that a buddy of mine wrote. That's a sales book and he tells these stories and he's a great storyteller. And I'm almost through with the book. And when I'm done, he's going to be on my podcast and I'm, I'm reading another, I'm getting ready to read another book that um, I read about, it wasn't Russell Williams or Patrick Mahomes or one of the other, it might've been Russell Wilson who had this mentor that uh, has since passed away, but he had this really good, he was teaching uh, Russell Wilson how to be positive all the time, right? How to get out of that, stay out of that negative um, thought process, which we all get into and it kills us, right? It just, it kills me. I have to, I have to, you know, just do something to get out of that, um, out of that thought process, right? So I want to read that book and I'll tell you about that book too when I'm done. So let's talk about television. Um, I said, I don't watch a lot of television. What we'll do in the in the evening, kind of after dinner and everything, is we'll turn on some, you know, like a sitcom or something that's just funny to us. And it's stuff we've seen a million times. It could be Friends or King of Queens or Rules of Engagement. I have all these channels, and we watch movies once in a while, but we tend to always watch the same movies. I just don't see a lot of stuff coming out that, that, um, that I'd like to see. But... Um, I definitely fall into that. I'll watch a violent, like a you know, like a movie that's an action adventure movie, and really, in the whole scheme of things, it's entertaining. But it's really, it's just putting information in your head that you don't really need. But I do it. I mean, it's kind of it's our downtime, and it's what we like to watch together. And I'll tell you, my uh, my, well, I have like the five movies that my favorite movies of all time. I'll tell you about two of them. My favorite movie of all time is Family Man. Um, Family Man, if you have not seen it, it's kind of a Christmas movie, although it just takes place during Christmas. It's not really about Christmas. And uh, I guess there's no spoiler to it. I guess it's pretty simple if you'd watch the uh, trailer. It's about this guy who works on Wall Street and he's just because makes tons of money and they got this big deal coming up. And he by chance runs into this person that he gets involved in this situation when he wakes up the next morning, he's, he's in a different life. Okay. So he's, he's not, he's not the big wall street guy. He's married and has a couple of kids and he knows that he was a wall street guy, but everybody else just knows him as the husband and, you know, the husband and dad. Right. So he's very confused, obviously when it first happens and he's starting to learn about kind of that different kind of love, like instead of the love of money, he's falling in love with his family and his wife and, she was an old girlfriend and, and, um, he's, he ends up, uh, just, it's, it's, it's a good movie. And like I said, um, it's called family man. I'm not going to tell you anymore about the movie. You just need to watch it. I'm telling you, it's just, to me, it's just the best movie I've ever seen. I watch it 10 times a year, but I'll tell you, there's one part in it that, um, in the end of the movie, he's, he's back to his wall street person and he's talking to the woman that, he would have been in that situation with, or was in that situation with, but he's now a big attorney. She's moving overseas and he just wants to tell her about, you know, what's going on. So he tells, he finally gets her to sit down for a minute and he tells her about um, the kids and he says about, you know, where they lived and this and that and what she did for a living. And he says something in there that's very much resonates with me about my wife. So he says to her, at one point, he says, you know, you were a better person than me. When we were married, uh, and they weren't really married, it was just kind of a, you know, dreamland, that you were a better person than me. And I don't tell my wife that enough. She's going to hear it on this podcast now. But she's just a better person than me, right? When she, when something happens, although she has a quick temper sometimes like me, 
We think a lot of like about things. All in all, she's just a much more compassionate person than me. I like to think I'm really compassionate, but I, not, I'm, I'm not that compassionate all the time. Um, but it just resonates with me. That one line he says to her that Kate, you were a better person than me when we were married, this and that. So anyway, great movie. Um, I want to watch it now. I'll probably watch it this week. It's this weekend because I just love this movie and it's a really good movie. And it just kind of teaches you, I don't know, it's not my life at all, but I kind of always wanted to be that wall street guy. You know, first long time ago, I wanted to be that corporate guy. And then I had a family and I'm like, well, and when I started to learn about these corporate people, I'm like, shit, I don't want to be one of those guys. They're crooks. I know bikers that are nicer people that will hurt you less. They won't take things from you. So anyway, that's a good movie. My second favorite movie is Top Gun, the new one, Maverick. I, all you, a lot of you are just going to go, oh, no, that movie sucked. It was, you know, you knew what was going to happen. Of course you did. The reason I like this movie so much is not only the flying's cool and it has a good story to it. But it's and it's and it's not even I don't even like Tom Cruise that much. I mean, I grew up with him and he did some good movies like the first Top Gun was good. It's probably in my top five, too. Um, you know, Risky Business. Some of the other movies he did were kind of cool. Some of the movies I won't even watch that he did. But it's the way this movie came about. Like it was supposed to come out in and during COVID and he had the discipline to put it off and not do it. Um, I mean, the guy's my age, very close to my age, pulling off what he did. He does his stunts. He does. I just thought it was, he was really patient with this movie and it was really well thought out. Whoever helped him with this movie, because I know he didn't do it by himself. They just did a really good job and it, and it was really successful too. So, I mean, I bought the movie as soon as I could get it online. I bought it because we watch it here and there. It's clean. You know, there's not a lot of, it's not bad stuff in it. It's, it's just a good, you know, good heartfelt movie. And um, I don't know. I just, I just really liked it. I think they just did a really good job with it. And congratulations to Tom Cruise for being that successful with the movie because it really does kick ass. Um, and the last thing I wanted to talk about was music. Um, <clears throat> or whatever you're listening to. You're listening to talk shows. You're listening to... I've about had it up to my ears with these political... Things, these Tucker Carlson bullshit, this Don Lemon, all these people that come on and they're experts of sports. All these experts that come on and never played a down in their life, never played baseball, never played anything, but they know everything and they can Monday morning quarterback to the end. I'm so sick of people that say that tell me they're experts, right? One of the reasons I like Joe Rogan is Joe Rogan gets experts to come on and then he asks some questions and he learns shit, right? I learned, I mean, I want to do what he's doing. I want to get those experts to come on my show kind of pump information out of them, give them my opinion, and then see where it goes. But these guys that come on, I see these 25-year-old kids who are like, you know, I can teach you how to get 10,000 leads a month, and it's bullshit. You, no, you can't, because you don't even know what you're doing. You're lying to people, and you're trying to take their money, and it's really, I, I guess, get sick of the con artists. I mean, I wonder why salespeople have a bad name. It's because they come on and they say things like this. These rich guys that say, you know, you suck if you do this. You got to get up at four in the morning to work out. And this and that. I, my friend Steve Haru, who's been on my show before, he's a sales guy. He says, "What do I have to get up at five in the morning? What if I get up at eight and I stay up till midnight? I mean, what's the difference? It's just hours in the day. It doesn't change your mindset. It, if you don't go to the gym, if you don't read those books, if you don't do those things, that's what's going to change your mindset. Doesn't matter when you do them. Yeah, if you talk to, uh, I've heard interviews with." Um, um, who's an Amazon guy, Jeff Bezos. And he'll say, yeah, look, I don't do anything till nine in the morning. You know, and then I go to gym at 11 or something. He has this whole schedule well, that works for him. It works for him. You know, we got to be careful. We get pulled in to these experts, supposed experts telling us this is the way you have to do stuff. Cause I do it that way. And that's how I'm successful. And if you can't do it, then you just feel, well, I can't be successful. Bullshit. You do it your way. There's always, a way of doing stuff there's there's things you know there's times where i can't get my head together i have to have a couple of drinks before i can start kind of being creative i know that sounds terrible and i've already done a thing on addiction but sometimes when i have those couple of drinks my mind opens up and i have a much better and i write stuff down i'll get a little pad of paper while i'm having that vodka and bubbly and write that down because 
sometimes my mind gets so blocked with all the bullshit. I need to take, I need to just change my outlook a little bit. So when you're looking at these guys that are saying, this is only way you can be successful. No, it's not true. Don't listen to those people. You're going to fail if you do that. Um, it, it, this is the worst one. When you hear people talk about nutrition and ha what to do when you work out. Listen, if you don't know how to work out, just go to the gym, right? Go to the gym and get on the treadmill. If you don't know how to lift, watch people. Find the hottest guy, hottest girl in the room and watch what they're doing and do what they're doing, right? You can get schedules. You can get training programs, training tips, food tips, all that stuff online. And it's not bad information, right? Listen, you all know that a big one-pound piece of cake is not good for you. You know that. You'd be better off eating a piece of chicken or eating a salad or whatever. I always kid that I love salad. I'll, I'll make this big salad with all these vegetables, and then I pour a gallon of dressing. I mean, obviously, that's not good. But I know what I'm doing. I know that I'm going to have to pay for that. Um, just... You know, a lot of this is just doing it. Like I said, I'm not an expert on books. Read whatever book you want. You know, read a fantasy book. I don't care what you read. Put something in your brain, though, that's nourishing. Last night, we watched the thing on natural bodybuilders. It was interesting, right? I mean, I don't think they're natural, but whatever. They said they're natural. Who might have say they're not natural? Just do something. Just get off your ass and go for a walk. You don't have to go to the gym and work out like all these guys. Are those guys cool to watch? Yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome to see a guy that's, or a woman that's just fantastic, has this great body and eats right and does all these things. But you know you're not going to do that. And if you do decide to do that, you'll do it at your pace. That's all I'm saying. Just get out there. So I said listen about music and things like that. I don't listen to – I used to listen to talk shows a lot when I drove because I'd get tired of listening to books or music. And they seem to be more – you know, this is – years ago so there was a lot more on the radio to do that once in a while i'll turn on the sports channel on xm if i'm in the car very long i'm just not in the car as much as i used to be when i'm at the gym sometimes i'll listen to a book sometimes i'll listen to a motivational guy yelling at me the whole time and sometimes i'll listen to rap i mean whatever whatever i feel like listening to that day um i think that when you listen to bad things you get bad things in your mind i mean why is that such a stretch if you listen to, uh, maybe you listen to things that are religious. I don't know. Maybe you listen to speakers. There's a million speakers out there that can give you good information. But their way is not the only way. Guarantee you 100%, your way is the best way for you. Um, you know, it's funny. I don't, I don't like eating breakfast. But I go to the gym in the morning, so I got to eat something before I go. So I have to choke down breakfast. Like, I, I don't, if I'm up for a couple hours, I'll, I, I can eat. But if I get up, and try to eat something, I got to choke it down. Just I just got to have some nutrition in my body before I go to the gym. Kind of. Think of it this way, though. If you're going to go burn calories and you get up and don't eat anything and go right to the gym and start working out like getting on a treadmill, your body's catatonic at that point. That's the best time to burn calories. So, or after a really hard workout. So there's, there you go. I just kind of, you know, just kind of contradicted myself contradicted myself, excuse me, and told you two different things. But I like to have, if I'm going to go lift, I try to eat something before I go. I usually have some kind of drink with me if it had like, uh, you know, blockchain amino acids or some pre-workout or whatever, I'll do that. But I'm just telling you that there's all these, all this information out there you need to be putting in your brain to make you a better version of yourself. But there's no definite answer of who you should put in your brain. I listen to guys that talk about intermittent fasting. I listen to guys that talk about this. The new one is this uh, carnivore diet where all you eat is meat. Um, there's all these different diets out there. It's a balanced diet. Don't eat so much. Push away from the table. Change the size of your plate. Do anything you can do. To, if you're trying to lose a few pounds. If you're trying to put on muscle, you got to eat stuff that will build muscle. It's not hard to find. Go to bodybuilding.com, muscleandfitness.com. There's all those things. I guess the, the the final part of this podcast is just if you want to be a better version of yourself, you got to put good stuff in your body. You got to put good stuff in your brain. You got to get out there and move. Um, I meet people constantly at the gym that are, you know, 10 years, 15 years younger than me 
can't believe I'm still working out at this age because I didn't stop moving. And listen, I'm not the epitome of, you know, I'm not Adonis by any means. I have weight to lose. I have things to do. It's a little harder to build muscle when you get older. I don't buy that bullshit, but I'm still seeming to put on muscle or keep what I have at least. Um, But this whole thing was just about kind of going over some books you know, talk about TV, what you're putting in your mind. There's all kinds of great documentaries on Amazon and and Prime and all that stuff to learn. I've learned about animals, especially with the kids. We'll put stuff on like that just to kind of learn a little bit of stuff. So, listen, I, I'm this podcast started out with me wanting to do something for my community, for society. It's going to always be that way. It's always going to be about what we can do to help you become better. And I got news for you. It's selfish too. It's about me trying to get better at certain things. I mean, here I am. Never in a million years would I think I'd be out of work at this age because I always had jobs. I always had high positions. And now I'm being told from some areas that I'm not that I'm not um, qualified. And it's it's ridiculous. Um, I think if they see my birthday on a application, it's deterring. I think if they've listened to this podcast, they might not like some of the things I say. I don't know. I don't really talk negatively on here, but it could, you know, maybe they don't like it. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I need your help. If you know anybody that's out there that's hiring, I really could use your help. But more importantly, this podcast is about you. And I hope that this little review of books and listen, pick up anything, just read, uh, Reading is very good for you. It stimulates your brain. There's all kinds of statistical information behind it that tells you that it does stimulate your brain and it makes you younger, keeps you younger. It helps with Alzheimer's. It helps with all kinds of things. Um, TV, I don't know. Watch what you want, obviously, but maybe something positive once in a while. I don't know. This is the Ed Franklin No Limits podcast. I hope you continue to listen Keep watching for that 100 episode. I will advertise it. It's going to be a Facebook Live, and I will do it at 5, 6, 7 o'clock at night so I can get some feedback. Um, This is exciting. I appreciate you guys listening. You're keeping me going. I want to keep this thing going. Even when I get back to work, it's going to keep going. I want to get to 500 episodes. I want to get to 10 million listeners. I want to get to all those things just like anybody else. But I'm going to do it, you know, organically, and it's it's going to happen when it happens. So, at franklin.nolimits at gmail.com if you want to get a hold of me. Thank you for listening. Watch for that advertisement for that 100th podcast. And when I do do it, listen in, ask me questions. 